This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbors as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, this is Paul writing to the church in Galatia. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Someone say amen to that. Now we're about to get into a reading that, that it's a little long, and we're going to try to teach from it. We're about to see in Scripture, in Galatians 5, the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. You do know, you do recall, I trust, that you are made up of body, soul, and spirit. Your body is referred to in the Bible as the flesh. Your body is, is, is what craves some good things and some bad things. I've yet to crave kale and cabbage, but I do crave bluebell. It's not spiritual. It's not even emotional. It's physical. I crave some ice cream every now and then. Some of you, you, you crave healthy things for the body. Some of you are like me, and you got to keep that in check because you crave some unhealthy things in the body. Let's go a little further. You know, it's, it's our body that craves uh, It's our body that craves alcohol. It's our body that craves nicotine. It's our body that craves narcotics. It's our body that craves, it's our body that has sexual addictions. It's our body that craves the things that are sinful and harmful. Not only harmful in our relationship with God, but out of an obedience factor. But it's our body that craves things that are harmful to us physically. Our body will flat out get us in trouble. Can I get an amen? So there needs to be something that can help us control our body. Well, a lot of people think it's your soul, which is your thoughts your feelings and emotions. So there is a, there's a tangent of teaching. There's a wing. There's a little, there's a little exit uh, of teaching that says you control everything through your mind. Well, I can tell you right now that I know people that have gotten themselves in trouble because they've trusted their feelings. They've trusted their emotions. And then they realize their emotions are like a roller coaster. They trusted that anger, and then they got their body in trouble with a fight. 
They trusted that passion, and then they got their body in trouble with the affair. You can't trust and build your life on your feelings. Your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings will get you in a pickle. My feelings are, you know, when I get a little hot-tempered on, on I-35 at about 8 o'clock in the morning when some, some guy won't, won't speed up and then some guy rushes by. When you get a little road rage, you can't trust your feelings. Can I get an amen on that? Or you'll be honking and, you know, I came out of Taco Cabana one time with my kids trying to get to school on time. We were running late. And, and, and I tried to merge in, and this, 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 this little girl got so mad, she was blaring her horn at me, wearing me out, and I'm throwing my hands up, she's throwing her hands up, and then we got eye to eye, and I said, good morning, Melissa, she was part of our church. <clears throat> and she said, good morning, pastor, how are you? And we text later, thank the Lord, we can love each other after all of this. Somebody say, my feelings will get me in trouble. <laughs> Thank God they're still a part of the church. And I'm still her pastor. But a lot of people are trying to steer their future. They're trying to create a good life for themselves because the power of the mind. And yes, God has given us the power of the mind, but he's given us something greater. It's a trump card. It defeats everything. There's, there's a part of your triune being that if you'll live by it, it will keep your emotions in check. It will keep your thoughts in check. It will keep your feelings in check. That will in turn keep your body in check. But asterisk, small print, caveat, even Paul, the writer of two-thirds in the Bible says, I still struggle to do what I want to do versus what I don't want to do. Paul said, I want to do right and I do wrong. I don't want to do wrong, but I do right. It's a, it's a struggle. I'm throwing these balls in the air and I'm trying to work it out. But that third part of you is called your spirit. Your spirit, if given to God, and if God will, 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 will control, when, if, if you will live by the Spirit and allow Him through, through these things, through the Word of God, through the counsel of others, and through the directive of the Holy Spirit Himself, your spirit life can be so healthy that you can keep your mind right, which will keep your body right. And here's the best part of the day. If you ever slip up, and your body gets the best of you, or your thoughts get the best of you, when the Spirit is alive in you, you can just lean on His grace and understand that it's just another day of trying to just make sure that you're led by the Spirit and not living under the law. This, ladies and gentlemen, I pray that it gives you the freedom that I hope it brings you. But here's, here's the categories of Paul's writings that we see the struggle. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality. I'm going to state this in all three services today. Some women might say, well, what, what exactly does that mean? Sexual immorality. You know, we're living in a culture that would like to try to break that statement down to make sure that we satisfy some and to make sure that we 
cover our bases and others. Can I just be very blatant today and tell you sexual immorality is anything of sexual relations that are outside of a marriage covenant between a male and female. Now, for some that would be living in, living in a relationship outside of the marriage covenant would say, well, that's a little old. That's a little outdated. That's, that's a little antiquated. Well, it's not me. Don't get offended by me or at me. The word of God is very clear that sexual relations are between male and female that are under marriage covenant. And, and it doesn't matter how we want to try to please everybody. But, you know, I think it's, I'm just going to take my time here for a moment. I think it's very natural for us to want to try to please everybody because we love people. We love everybody. So oftentimes we try to, we try to bend this and adjust this to try to make sure, you know, it's kind of like a family reunion. Well, Sally's coming and she doesn't like corn, so we better have lima beans. Well, George is going to be there and he doesn't eat brisket, so we might want ribs. You know, when it comes to the word of God, I know we have love that covers everything, but we can't change what God has established just to please everybody. We don't change the word of God to please us. We change ourselves to please the Lord. Somebody say amen to that. Now, I've got three services to teach this today, and I was hoping I'd start out with a bang. Because these next two, it's going to be like walking up a mountain. Do you understand what I'm trying to get across today? Paul states it very clearly. This is the work of the flesh. The work of the flesh is sexual immorality is a big deal. And then he goes on to say impurity, debauchery, idolatry. Let's talk about idolatry for a moment. Some of you think that idolatry is just maybe worshiping something of the sun or worshiping of nature. Can I tell you some of y'all worship your children? Some of us worship sports. Some of us worship politics. Some of you know more names running in the 2020 election than you know word of the Bible. Can't quote any scripture, but you know exactly what platform certain people are running on. Some of you know sports statistics, but you can't quote any scripture. Have I ever told you this story? One time I was in a waiting room at the hospital and Selah, my 13-year-old, was still being held. She could talk, but she was a little bitty baby. And I'm standing in a waiting room full of church people. And I thought, well, it's now my, my, it's my time to show off my kid because I've trained her well. And, and, buddy, right there in the waiting room, it's going to be a dog and pony show. And I was so excited about my kid. And I said, Selah. Tell, hey, everybody, y'all watch this. Selah, tell everybody who's the quarterback for the Cowboys. And little Selah said, Romo. And everybody thought it was so adorable. And then about that time, my good friend, Jed Cottle, his mom and dad are here. He's got a little girl named Macy. They're about the same age. Macy was just at our house about two or three weeks ago for a sleepover. Jed said, hey, everybody. And I thought, oh, God, what's he going to do? He said, Macy, quote, quote John 3, 16. And I thought, oh, God. You got to be kidding me. That little, that little toot said it word for word. And I said, well, 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 that's good. My kid knows sports and Macy knows the Bible. 
we're in trouble. (laughs) Idolatry isn't just a statue placed on a mantle. It's anything that you give yourself over to more than God. Your marriage, your business, money, any interest that comes before God, hobbies. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? You're with me? So Paul says, you got to be careful because these are the things of the flesh. And it will always be in conflict with the things of the spirit. Your flesh will always pull for you. And whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. You wanting to climb the ladder. You willing to step on anyone and everyone to get closer to your goal. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, the Bible says. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, and I want to I go a little further on that statement, inheriting the kingdom of God. It would be real easy to look at that as that you will not be saved. I think it's a little, I think it's a little deeper than that. Uh, knowing that we're saved by our faith that, that believes in the grace of God. What I'm believing that there's a deeper message here is that you're not, you're not going to experience God's absolute best in your life. If you lean towards these things. You're not going to have all that God wants you to have in life if, if you're always going to put the hobby before your relationship with God. Are y'all, are y'all understanding what I'm saying? Now, if you're following with me in the app and you're looking at your notes, I'm fixing to change my notes because we're going to go from point number one to point number three, and we'll come back to point number two. You may say, why are you doing that? Because I went to camp, and last night with two blurry eyes and a lacking of a voice, I started reviewing my notes that have been prepared for a couple weeks now, and I realized, you know what? I, I think I've got something out of alignment. So here we go. Let's look at point number three together. Now we're looking at the things of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit... Galatians 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the differences. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. Now, King James would use the word long-suffering, forbearance, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you see the differences in these? Sexual immorality, self-control. Idolatry, self-control. You see the struggle? We got the flesh wanting to do what the flesh loves to do, and we got the spirit saying, hey, flesh, you need to do what you need to do. Against such things, there is no law. You cannot, you cannot, um, you cannot disappoint your relationship with God. You cannot frustrate the grace of God. You cannot Lose your freedom if you live by these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions. Everyone say passions. 
and its desires. Everyone say desires. Guess what? This whole sermon could be preached with these two words. You can be led by your passions or your desires, or you could be led by the Spirit of God. Your passions and desires will leave problems. Led by the Spirit will only lead in health. Passions is what breaks marriages up. Desires is what what breaks companies up. Passions and desires, not led by God, is what destroys families. It's what destroys churches. It's what destroys ministries. Passions and desires of the flesh always will leave you in a worse condition. But when you're led by the Spirit, you can sleep at night knowing that your flesh and your emotions are being covered by something greater than that. It's by the Spirit of God. Now let's read, let's read one more. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. A lot of folks just kind of stop with Paul's declaration and we forget that it still comes down to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor. Someone say amen to the reading of the word of the Lord. So let's look real quick at these differences. And I'll do my best to, to, to put a big bow on this today as we wrap up this series called Freedom. I want you to look at what the flesh produces. The flesh produces bondage. The spirit produces freedom. Bondage, freedom. Bondage, freedom. The flesh, this is not just about sin, everybody. It's about having your best. You know, Joel Osteen gets, gets, gets criticized sometimes for his statement, your best life now. I don't think there's a better statement. God wants you to live your best life right now. Let's talk about bondage and freedom, just about finances. The flesh wants you to live in bondage to the credit card. The flesh wants you to overspend. The flesh wants you to swim in debt. The flesh wants you to have it now and pay for it later, and you never will. The spirit wants you to live in freedom. Live in safe margins. Live in equity. Live in a, in a point where you, don't, where you don't swim in trouble. One thing I'm proud about this church for doing is I'm... I'm, I'm uh, have a couple board members in this service this morning, and they'll recall in 2013. In 2013, uh, the board allowed me to step into kind of kind of overseeing our, our 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 fiscal oversight, our financial oversight, and we tried to implement something. And it took a while to find the rhythm of things. But but this church for several years now has been doing its dead level best to remain consistent with it, and that is living, we operate, we function at this church. We don't function on 100% of your giving. The very first tenth of this church's giving, you can use the word tithe if you choose to say it that way, but the first tenth, every Monday, the first tenth is set aside because we know that there are some Sundays that you, as a ministry, you get, uh, oh, whoa, whoa, what happened 
and you get about five people show up, and then you're like, uh-oh, and, and it catches up later. But we've learned that that first tenth, we just set it aside. We don't, op- we don't max it out. We don't live on a shoestring budget around here. We, we, have, we have money saved. Now, now, that's no different than your own home, but you know what the world wants you to do? The world wants you to be praying that Friday gets here real quick. Because if it doesn't, you can't get milk, you can't get cereal, you can't get toast. You're so tight that you can't breathe. The world, your flesh, wants you to be so stressed out financially that, that, oh, I can't take a sick leave. I can't go to camp with my kid. I can't take vacation. It's bondage to the dollar, to your own passions and desires. But the spirit-led life says, manage what I give you and live in freedom. Don't owe anyone anything. And for you that are in this room that you're not there yet, don't feel, don't feel condemned. Feel convicted about that. Don't feel like I'm bad-mouthing you. Feel like I'm trying to show you some, a better way. Can I get an amen this morning? Here's what the flesh wants to do versus the spirit. The flesh produces doubt and the spirit produces faith. When it comes to your personal trials and your challenges, maybe you're navigating through bankruptcy. Maybe you're navigating through, through divorce. Maybe you're navigating through a troubled teenager. Can I tell you, your flesh wants you to live in doubt. Oh, this kid's never going to get it. This kid's never going to be better. This marriage is doomed to fail. But the spirit-led life produces faith. Oh, I'm believing in him. He's going to come back to Jesus. I'm believing in us. We're going to go through counseling and we're going to be healed. I'm believing in this sickness. I don't believe I'm going to die out of this. I believe I'm going to be healed by this. But the flesh, the flesh wants you to live in doubt. The spirit wants you to live in faith. Give you another one to consider. The flesh wants you to live out of religion. But the Spirit wants you to live from relationship. Boy, if the flesh gets the best of you, it'll make sure that you dot your I's and cross your T's, but you'll never know Jesus. You'll line up to a religious environment, but you'll never truly know him in the power of freedom and grace. You'll always be afraid of God. You'll never be able to sit on his lap, so to speak, because you don't think you qualify. And then finally, the flesh wants to produce legalism in churches, in communities, and in families. But the Spirit wants to produce grace in churches, communities, and families. Wouldn't it be really neat to be able to run into a family member that you weren't real sure how they were doing but you had enough grace in your life that you would treat them as God's treated you. And you were able to have a warm, wonderful relationship without the awkwardness that legalism produces. Do you receive this word in your life today? So here's our three walkaways before we worship one more time. If I'm gonna be led by the Spirit, It requires me to see. 
A spirit-led life requires for light in dark places. The Bible tells us where this light comes from. The light comes from Psalms 119.105. Your word is a lamp to my feet. And it's a light to my pathway. Everybody, you cannot afford to hang out in dark places. Now, what do I mean by that? You talking about the bar? If you want to look at it that way, that's fine. But a lot of dark places are right here. There's a lot more darkness in here than there is in, in, in certain locations. You can't afford to hang out in dark places. You've got to walk into every situation you walk into and bring light to the environment. What if your co-worker tomorrow tells you, man, I, I'm so worried about my child. I'm worried about my child. I think you're a Christian, aren't you? Yes, I'm a Christian. I'm worried about my teenager. I think they're into some things that are going to bring trouble to their life. You could either live by the flesh and say, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, kids are crazy. Or you can live by the Spirit and say, hey, I got news for you. I'm going to come into agreement and pray. And God's going to change the heart of your kid. And I'm believing that child of yours is a child of God. He may or she may not be living the way that you think they ought to be living. But the grace of God's arm is not too short to reach them. Let, let's just pray about that. What are you doing? You're bringing light to a dark place. That's the spirit-filled life. The spirit-filled life doesn't agree with the enemy. The spirit-filled life agrees with the power of God. Are you following what I'm saying? So you need to be able to see. You can't see in dark rooms. You stumble all over yourself. You stump your toe. You trip and fall. So what do we do? We turn on the light where we can see the Word of God, the promises of God will light up every dark place that you'll ever walk into. You got trouble in your place of employment. You got trouble in your marriage. You got trouble in your finances. Turn the light on that problem. Brighten it up a little bit. Don't let that dark hole sink you. Flip a light on. Brighten up the room with the Word of God. Worship and praise and speak words of life that brings light to dark places. The Spirit-filled life requires you to see. But it also requires you to hear. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 30, 21, whether you turn to the right or turn to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Everyone in the room, listen to me clearly. The culture we live in and the world we live in produces static in our ears. It produces this white noise that cracks and cringles and it, it, it causes confusion. But the Spirit-filled life tunes out the world and it hears what the Spirit has to say. I was with someone recently that has hearing aids that have a Bluetooth connection. That's not some sickness that's oral. I got to clarify that in this 830 service. It's, it's a technical term. <laughs> I love this service. <laughs> Somebody just said, we need to pray for them. They got the Bluetooth. 
this person has these hearing aids that they were wanting to watch something on their smart device, but it was so loud they couldn't hear it. And they literally connect their hearing aids and they tune out everything going on around them. And they heard the video clearly, directly. Some of you in this room today, the enemy has has your attention because it's telling you everything wrong with your with your life, everything wrong with your family, everything wrong with those you love, everything wrong with, with everything. It's just just bickering and, and biting and fighting and everything's a rumble and you get to the place where you just don't know what to believe anymore and you don't know who to listen to anymore. Can I just tell you something? You need to tune out the world and you need to hear what the Spirit of God has to say. And then finally, before I, we worship a little bit, the Spirit-filled life requires you to see and the Spirit-filled life requires you to hear But the spirit-filled life also requires you to do something. It requires you to follow what you're hearing and singing. The Bible says it this way. Don't just be a hearer of the word of God, but be a doer of the word of God. It's one thing to know something. It's another thing to apply the knowledge that you have. You know, So what that you've got electricity wired to your house? If you don't turn the lights on, you'll be in darkness. So what that you've got money in a shoebox dug in the backyard? If you don't take it out and spend it, it's no value to you. So what you've got medicine in the cabinet to treat your sickness? If you don't take it, it won't heal you. Well, the Spirit of God is available to you. And so what that you know that? How about we use it? Let's take the Spirit of God and let's be led by the Spirit. And let's listen to Paul and say, I'm not going to live under the law another day. I'm going to be in freedom and live by the Spirit of God. Because he that the Son is set free is free indeed. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands one more time to the Lord this morning. Come on, everybody. Clap your hands one more time to the Lord. All right. I've asked Mark and Lori.